Nedarim Kafe, the last thing we're discussing was Nidre Havai, exaggeration vowels are not vowels. And we learned in the Mishnah that although Nidre Havai are mutar, they're not vowels. However, Shibu'ot Havai, Asurin, uh, swears of exaggeration are Asur. And Rabina asked Ravashi a question, maybe he saw a lot of ants and he gave them a nickname of Ole Mitzrayim. And maybe he's being truthful, and we, and he and the Ravashi answered him, "No, we go by what we're thinking, not by what he's thinking, and we don't call ants like all them Mitzrayim." And with that, we're starting Kafei second line, and towards the end, second to last word, where it says Ve'al Da'ata. So now we're on the third line. Ve'al Da'ata and no one swears based on his thinking. He has to go by what, but by what the Beit or someone else is thinking, or by the average person. Ve'atanya, we have a Braitak Shehen Mashbainoto. When someone comes to Beit Din, him and his friend are fighting about money. They make him swear. They tell them, Omrimlo, We're not uh, making you swear on what the conditions you have in your heart. You're swearing based on what we're thinking on our mindset and the Betin's mindset. I mean, you can't make up uh, things in your brain. So the Gemara says, why do they have to say that to him? What are we coming to exclude? Are we talking about he took pieces of wood and he gave them a nickname of money and he's thinking to say that, uh, yeah, I gave him pieces of wood or he's thinking of keeping wood in his pocket and calling him, I have the money. When we tell him you have to swear on our mindset, what do we understand? You see that some people, they swear based on what their mindset is, not what a betin or someone else's mindset is, or not based on the average person's mindset. That's not the reason they told him you're thinking based on our mindset. It's It's coming to exclude from the famous case of the cane of Rabbah. What happened with the cane of Rabbah? There was a man who came to Tibetin. He, he said his friend owes him money. They came in front of Rabbah. The, the claimant told the borrower, Zil pay me the money. I already gave you some. So Amalei Ravah, Ravah told him, If that's the case, you have to swear, like a modem, it's not a partial uh, admission, you have to swear, so he went to swear. So Azal Vayte Kanyav, he was Uzeh, Begave, so he came to Betin, he's holding on to his cane, he's walking slowly, and he was leaning on it and walking slowly to Betin. And Amalei, so the borrower told the, 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 the creditor, Nekot Hai Kanyav Bidach, uh, can you hold my cane for a second while I swear? So now he held on to the Sefer and he swore that he paid him back. He swore that he paid him back whatever he has in his hand. So now the, the other person, the, the, the creditor got upset. He broke the cane and all of a sudden and all the money came out of the cane because he was hiding it in the cane and it went all over the floor. And everyone saw that he actually said the truth when he swore, because he did give him everything he had in his hand. He did give him the money, just uh, it was in a cane, and the guy didn't know. He was actually holding it. So that's why we make that person swear based on what we're thinking, not what you're thinking. But the Gemara asks about Kate, but still, 
you don't have a person swearing based on what he's thinking. We have a So by Moshe Rabbeinu, when he made Ben Israel swear that they're going to keep the mitzvot, this is right before the, he passed away and they went there. He told them, You should know that I'm not, I'm not making you swear based on your mindset. Making you swear based on my mindset and Hashem's mindset. I'm not making you swear between you and me. And we're understanding it's not based on what you're thinking, it's what we're thinking. So what was Moshe trying to tell Isn't he trying to tell them, wasn't he trying to tell them that maybe you're going to do things that are assumed, and you're going to say, yeah, we swore that uh, that was allowed because we were going based on what we were thinking. That's why That's why Moshe said, you're swearing based on my mindset. What are you coming to exclude? Are we coming to exclude that maybe they were thinking of some sort of Avodazara in their mindset? Eloah. Uh, I'm going to say it's the God that we're thinking about, and uh, they're going to swear. Michlal, so bottom line is, what do we see? Michlal, you see that there is a concept of a person swearing based on his own mindset. So if that's the case, let's go back to what we were discussing. Why don't we say that a person was thinking that maybe he saw a whole bunch of ants, and he gave them a nickname, and maybe his vow stands. The Gemara says, you can't say that. Why? Because because we have the concept of Avodah Zarah being called a, the language of God, even though it's not a God, but we still call it a God. It, it's still, that's the name we give it, Hashem said, I'm going to punish all the gods of Egypt. So you see, Avodah Zarah is called a God. Hashem himself called it the, the God, even though it's not a God. So therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu had to worry when he said uh, that you have to swear on my mindset, on Hashem's mindset, that they don't think of another God. So now, based on that, the Gemara has a question. Why don't you just make them swear, just keep the mitzvot, make life easy? The Gemara answers, because if you would say that, it would sound like just keep the mitzvot of the king, and maybe not the Torah mitzvot. So the Gemara asks, So just make them swear that they're going to keep all the mitzvot, meaning not just the king's mitzvot, also the Torah's mitzvot. But the Gemara says, no, we still have to be more specific because when you say kol mitzvot, mashma, mitzvah tzitzit, it could mean the mitzvah tzitzit. Amar more, we know the famous drasha, shekula, mitzvah tzitzit, can get kol mitzvot shebat Torah, that the mitzvah tzitzit is like keeping all the mitzvot. So maybe when you tell them, oh, you, you have to promise to keep all the mitzvot, he's thinking, okay, I'll wear tzitzit and then I can do whatever I want. So that's why you have to be more specific. Okay, Torah. So why don't you make them swear that they're going to keep the Torah? Because the Gemara says, Mashma, Torah Ahat, maybe they're just going to keep one Torah, meaning the Torah Shebikhtav, maybe not the Torah Shebalpeh. Fine. So make them sure that they're going to keep the Torahs. The Gemara explains, yeah, but then Mashma, Torah Minha, Torah Hata, Torah Tashem, so they can keep the Korbanot, but not the rest of the Torah. Fine, then make them swear, Torah Mitzvot, but they're going to keep the Torahs, the Mitzvot. So Gemara explains, Torot, Mashma, Torat Minha, etc. They're going to start thinking different Torot, like Torat Minha, Torat Hatat, all the Torot that they were written in Sefer Vayikra. And when you say Mitzvot, Mashma, Mitzvot, Hamelach, you're thinking the, the commandments of the king. 
and you don't thinking of the Torah mitzvah, meaning they, they could mess around. So fine, we're asking a different thing. Why do you have to say on my month? Said, once you Torah kula, just tell them you're going to keep the entire Torah because Torah kula mashma avodat kochavim. The Gemara is because they could keep in their mind, they could have their mindset that we're just not going to do avodah zara. The Tanya, because we have a Brayta, Hamura avodat kochavim, avodat kochavim is so stringent, so strict, it's so bad. Shekola kofer ba kiulu modeh ba Torah kula. Anyone who is kofer in Avodah Zarah, it's as if he kept the entire Torah. So you know what they'll say? I'm not going to do Avodah Zarah. In their mindset, they're going to think, okay, then I'm not going to do Avodah Zarah. I'm going to, and that's going to be enough, and I could do whatever other Avira I want. And my swear is not going on the rest of the Torah. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, so tell them, you have to do Avodah Zarah in the entire Torah, inami, or you could just tell them shesh mi'ot or shlosh mitzvot. Tell them you keep the six hundred thirteen mitzvot. So Ella, the Gemara explains, Moshe Rabbeinu meltad the lotri hanakat. Rather, instead of going through all this, Moshe Rabbeinu just uh, took something that's not going to be so hard to understand, not something that's going to drive people crazy. Moshe took simple language. You're swearing based on my mindset. Next, we learned in the Mishnahim, Lora iti nachash korat betabad. A person swearing, uh, all these fruits are going to be a sort to me if I didn't see a snake the size of the beam by the olive press. Velo, now wait a second, is there no such thing as a huge snake? There was this huge snake in the time of Shavur Malka, the king of Persia. They threw in front of him 16 orot of hay, of straw, and he swallowed them, meaning it was a huge snake. We're talking about a situation where the snake has indents, uh, like uh, Legos put together, there's indents, there's spots. So that's what he was talking about. All snakes have indents, they all have spots on it. We're talking about on its back, usually... When they when they have their spots and their indents, it's on the neck side, but on the back side they don't have those indents. So like Teruf. So why don't you just write in the Mishnah that he saw the snake with the indents? So the Gemara explains. We're coming to be mechadesh something. We're jumping one extra thing on the side that the korat betabad gabo taruf that the beam by the olive press. The back of it, it has indents on it. Lemain of coming now. What's the what's the practical difference? Let me kahomimkar to buying and selling. Lomalechat tell you hamocher korat betabad lahavero. If someone is selling a beam of the olive press to his friend, igabotaruf in. If the back of it has indents and spots, then okay, that's what we're talking about. Beidlo lo. And if it doesn't have spots and indents on its back, then it's not what we're talking about, and the sale is no good. Next Mishnah, Nidreshe Gagot, unintentional vows. What are we talking about? If a person said this thing is going to be a konam to me, it's going to be like a korban, it's going to be a sur to me, I ate or drank today, and he forgot, and now he remembered that he ate and drank today. So that's not a vow because his mouth and his heart weren't equal. They weren't the same. He, he forgot what was really the situation. 
And same idea, if someone said, this thing is a sort of me, shani v'shani if I eat or drink today, for example, hani forgot ate and drink, that thing is not a sort to him because at the time when he made the vow, it was one big unintentional thing. When it comes to vows, it has to be intentional. And Amar Konami if a person said, I vow that my wife is going to benefit from me, why she convert Kisi Veshiktat Beni? Because she stole my wallet, she hit my son. And then we found that she didn't hit the son and she didn't steal. It was an unintentional vow and it doesn't stand. A person walks into his backyard. He has a fig tree and he sees two people eating over there. He got all nervous. He said, these figs are a sort to you. They're like a korban on you. And also it's his brother. It's his uh, father over there. And there's other people there with them. So holds that his father, his brother, they are mutar to continue eating. The, the vow doesn't start for them, but the other people are a sur. It doesn't make a difference. The whole party that's over there eating, it's mutar because it's not a vow, period. Beti Lil hold that if a vow has been broken or it, it half doesn't work, then the entire thing doesn't work. And the Gemara starts, Tana, The same way vows that are unintentional are allowed, same thing with unintentional swears they're allowed. It's not considered a swear. So now the Gemara asks, What exactly is an unintentional swear? So, It's the Mahlokit of Kana and Ravaseh. One person said, I swear, this is what Rav said. And the other one said, this is what, uh, I swear that this is what the rabbi said. So you have two kids in the class, each one swearing what the rabbi said. Each one really believes what he's saying. Each person, according to his mindset, he's swearing truthfully. And ends up someone can't be saying the truth because just they can't. It's not possible because the rabbi didn't say like both of them only said one thing. So that is a swear that is unintentional. Next, we learn in the Mishnah. A person walks in his backyard and he sees uh, people eating, and he says it's a sort of korban. It ends up being his brother and uh, father and, and other people. We saw Beit Shemai say that uh, the vow doesn't count for his brother and his father, but it does count for the other people. And Beit Hillel says, listen, once the vow has been broken a little bit, it, the entire thing is broken. So, Tanan Hatam, we learned in the Mishnah coming up, a person said that, um, let's say I'm not going to eat uh, bread for a while. He's not going to drink wine for a long time. When we open him up, did you think uh, that you were not going to be able to meet on Pesach? You're not going to be able to drink uh, wine on, on Pesach? So you tell him Shabbat, you tell him Tovim. Uh, meaning, if you knew you were going to suffer on the holiday on Shabbatot, would you make this vow? And then he'd say, No, then okay, they would, oh, they would do it. But in the beginning, they would say, beginning, people would say, that only the Shabbat out and the Amin Tovim, that's mutar, but every other holiday, every other day is Asur. Like then Rabbi Akiva held like like Betilel. That a vow that has been broken a little bit is completely broken, and it's as if there's no vow. So you see that this machloket between Betilel and Betilel is also the same thing as Hachamim and Rabbi Akiva. And this sets us up for a machloket between Rabbah and Rabbah, about the and about an Aleph, on understanding the machloket of Bet Shema and Bet Hillel. But we'll stop right here. Baruch Hashem Amen Amen.